This is the It Ain't It Sis podcast, a podcast where we focus on life's pivots and redirections, relationships, and becoming a boss babe. I'm your host, Sarah Whitney, and this is a space where honesty, humor, and a whole lot of sass collide. No one has it figured out. So it's completely fine if sometimes it ain't it, sis. Okay, I don't know about you, but going to the grocery store lately has been a complete time sucker. From waiting in line to the amount of time it takes to get to and from the grocery store, it is really not working in my schedule. So that is why I've switched over to public goods. Public Goods is a one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, and affordable everyday essentials that are good for people and the planet. What a concept that is. And they offer an ever-growing selection of household products made from clean ingredients and mindful packaging. And guys, when I say they have a great lineup of goodies and household items that you definitely need, they have it. They have the candles, they have the popcorn, they have the cleaning supplies, they have the TP, which I know we all need right now and honestly it's so affordable and I highly recommend I just got my first package in the mail and that included some snacks some vitamins and some household cleaning supplies so fun but if you're looking for a more sustainable and affordable option when shopping go check out public goods and of course I have 15% off for you so use my code Sarah Whitney PGA that's S-A-R-A-H-W-H-I-T-N-E-Y PGA, and you can use that code for 15% off your order. Now let's get back into the podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the It Ain't It Sis podcast. I'm Sarah Whitney, your host, and a long time no talk. It's been about three weeks, I think. It's been a hot minute since I last uploaded an episode, and that is simply because I am having a pre-sale for my book, Pretty Young, which is going to be published in August. If you've been following me on social media or if you've been listening to the podcast, then you would know that I've been grinding on this pre-sale campaign. So it's definitely been exhausting. I'm so exhausted. I'm so excited for the month of April to be done and over with, to be honest. I need May. I need a break. But I think we all kind of feel that way. I don't know. Like... 2021 has definitely made me just feel overall exhausted, but I'm not throwing myself a pity party. This is just me being real, saying that I just need a freaking break. Like I need to go somewhere where there's a beach and I just need to lay there for the next five days, get a really nice tan, probably some pretty bad sun like and skin damage but you know it's okay do it for the tan um just kidding I'm not promoting any of that but low-key I want it to happen so that's basically where I'm at mentally and honestly I just hope I'm not the only one who feels this way because I just want to know that I'm not alone but I know that I'm probably not like there's obviously one person out there who feels just as exhausted needs a vacation but That being said, I'm finally, you know, getting back into the podcast game, getting back into the swing of things. And so for this week, I have Adriana Bucci on the podcast. She is a life coach and she specifies in narcissistic 
abuse. So I found this really interesting. I actually originally heard her on, I think it's called the Trust and Thrive podcast, if I'm not mistaken. But she is just like, she's just so great. I think narcissistic abuse, we don't talk about that often, slash, we don't really think about it often. And it's so prevalent in our life. There's Unfortunately, I mean, we live in a world where obviously it's not perfect and there are narcissists everywhere. And I don't think you realize it until you, I mean, in the episode, we obviously talk about it, but I don't think you realize it until you understand the definition of a narcissist. So that's what we talk about in the episode. We talk about toxic relationships, how to overcome them, understanding tactics to heal yourself. And we talk a lot about the mind-body connection as well because healing is definitely, it encompasses all aspects of your life. And that can go into like the physical aspect and the spiritual aspect and the emotional aspect and the mental All different aspects of your life need to be healed, and I'm a firm believer, and so is Adriana. In this episode, we talk about how it's important to really take like a holistic approach to healing. So I loved this episode. I definitely think that this is probably one of the most useful and like practical, emotionally speaking, episodes I've ever come out with. And fun fact, I also interviewed her for my book, Pretty Young. And so I talk about toxic relationships and all of that. And she's included in there as well as a few other people. So definitely keep your eye out for that. But Adriana is amazing. She has the best advice. Make sure to follow her on Instagram. Obviously, I have that all in the show notes below. And then of course, if you aren't already, be sure to follow me on Instagram. I'm fairly active on there. I like to make little funny reels and, you know, still getting the hang of that. I'm not necessarily the best with technology, but you know, your girl is trying. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. It will automatically upload on your phone. So you'll always have my episodes available to you and ready to listen. So other than that, before we get into the actual meat of the episode, I'm going to do what was not it for me and what was it for me this week. So I kind of brushed upon it earlier in the episode, but basically what was not it for me was just feeling exhausted and overworked. 2021, to be honest, has been a roller coaster of emotions for me. If you've been kind of following me for the past couple months, you know that I had to suddenly move back to Arizona because I got laid off from my job. I now live with my parents. I'm trying to move to New York City. I wrote a book. I'm having a pre-sale. I have a million different jobs and you know, that takes toll on someone. And so I am really trying to work on my mental health. And I actually really want to do a series of everything I've learned over the past couple months, obviously, after I am done releasing all of the episodes with my future guests. I really want to kind of deep dive into what I've been dealing with because I've had a lot of personal quote unquote, like trauma happen in my life. I mean, nothing to be alarmed about, but it's just kind of like real life shit, to be honest, that happens that not many people talk about, especially I'm I'm turning 24. Oh my gosh, I feel like so old, but I'm not even that old, but I feel old. I'm turning 24 in two weeks and I feel like people 
my age don't really address these things. And I am trying my best to really address these things at a young age because I never wanted to be that kind of person who they wake up when they're 40 and they're like, oh my gosh, I never dealt with any of my past trauma and all of that. And so that's what I'm trying to do. That's honestly what I've been doing for the past couple months. And it's not fun. Like there's been many tears shed, but there's also been some happy moments, some breakthroughs and all of that. And at the end of the day, I think putting your healing journey at the forefront like your mental health is so important I swear if you don't have your mental health to be honest like you really don't have anything and I don't want to like say that to be like in a scary way but to be honest like you can have your physical health and that's great but if you're not there mentally and you're not happy and you're not joyful or all of these things or you're really struggling your physical health like does it really matter and this is coming from a person like I've dealt with a lot of like mental health issues and like I've had a concussion and like things like that. Like mental health is very, very important. Obviously, we're going to talk about that in this episode, but I think, you know, putting your mental health first and foremost is literally everything because it trickles down into every aspect of your life. So that was my little rant about mental health and what I've been going through. I'm not doing, you know, the best, but I'm not doing terrible. Your girl's healing. Healing sometimes isn't the funnest, but it is necessary in order to grow into the person you want to be. So that's where I'm at with everything in terms of what is not it for me. But turning that around, what is it for me was this last weekend. So it was in the middle of April. I went to visit Miss Kelsey Lynn Jones and we are going to be roommates in New York City. And it was so fun. Like that was the first time I think I had like seriously like, you know, traveled since the pandemic. And side note, we were safe. I'm now fully vaccinated and I had the antibodies previously when I had COVID. So I was felt safe about that and everything. But it was nice to, you know, go see a different place. I went to Austin, Texas, and I'd never been seriously there before. I went one time when I was like 12, but it was for like 24 hours and I really don't remember it. So it was really fun to see. And I low-key am like, okay, so after New York City, depending how long I'm there, I kind of want to move there. I don't know. It's fun. So that's kind of where I'm at. And it was so fun. She's literally the sweetest. I feel like we're so similar in so many ways. So I just have a good feeling about it. So that was my weekend. That was what was it for me. And it was just so fun seeing an internet friend in the real life. You know, (laughs) I feel like I still laugh at the fact that I say I have internet friends, but They don't even feel like quote unquote internet friends. They just feel like friends. So that was what was it for me. And your girl is just, you know, doing the damn work, doing the healing, meeting some fabulous people along the way. And, you know, that's what we talk a lot about in this episode is doing the healing. And we talk a lot about doing the emotional trauma healing. And this episode is for everyone because no matter who you are, what walk of life you come from, all of that, you have faced some kind of quote unquote trauma in your life, whether you like to recognize it or not. A lot of people don't like to recognize it, but it's important to because otherwise it's going to pop up in your life and 
it, you're just not going to have a fun time. Trust me. This is coming from a person dealing with it right now. Like you need to assess the traumas in your life so you can grow into the person that you were meant to be. So I know that this episode is going to have so much value and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to it, but enough of that and let's get into the episode. Well, today, everyone, I have an amazing guest on the podcast. I have Adriana Bucci, and I am so excited to speak with her. She is a narcissistic abuse coach. I am so excited to speak with you today because I actually found you on the Trust and Thrive podcast back in, I think it was July. You and the host of that podcast, you were doing an Instagram live. And during the summer, I was going through a couple different you know, relationship issues actually. And when I saw your live and you were talking about just narcissistic family members, friendships, all of that, I really, you know, found like everything that you said really relatable and really helpful with everything I'm going through. So I wanted to bring you on the podcast because I know for a fact you're going to be able to, you know, offer some great pieces of advice and help anyone who is going through any kind of toxic relationship, narcissistic relationship, because I feel like in this day and age that we live in, you know, it's really, really prevalent and a lot of people don't even know the red flags. So thank you so much, Adriana, for coming on. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so, it's like, it's an honor to be on your podcast and I hope to be able to share as many nuggets of wisdom as possible for anyone who's also going through any narcissistic abuse relationships with other people, whether it's family, friends, or significant others. Exactly. And I feel like we have so much to talk about, especially because, you know, there's so many different, you know, subtopics within your work that you do. So I feel like we should just dive in head first and kind of touch a little bit on, you know, how you started your career and what specifically like led you down this path. Awesome. Well, it's a very interesting thing that got me into being a life coach. I honestly, never in a million years would have thought I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. And it was actually chronic pain that brought me here, believe it or not. So I, you know, I knew my mom was a narcissist in 2014. But I kind of like, you know, ignored it for a couple of years, (laughs) just because I couldn't deal with it. But figuring out that I was dating a narcissist and previous narcissists before that, but you know, the, it's always the last one you date where it's like, oh my God, there's been a pattern. That kind of got That's me to- the story of my life, honestly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like so many people go through it. It's, it's terrible, but you know, at least, you know, I can hopefully bring a voice to those people who have no idea what's going on and are starting to figure it out. And yeah, so that kind of got me to realize my mom was a narcissist too. When I started Googling this guy's behavior and also realizing previous relationships were also a very similar pattern. So that being said, I knew about like, you know, my trauma, which I didn't consider to be trauma at the time. But then I got chronic pain from 2015 to 2019. And it, you know, sparked from getting my wisdom teeth removed, I ended up with TMJ dysfunction, which is just like the joint that holds your face together, like the upper jaw and lower jaw was just completely messed up. My mouth would literally open in a zigzag. And 
you know, I would get migraines, neck pain. I ended up having carpal tunnel syndrome. Like just my body was falling apart. And by October 2018, that's really when all hell sort of broke loose with my chronic pain. So I was doing this like weird treatment for my jaw with like a splint and braces. So, you know, I was 30 years old with braces for the second time in my life. So that was really hard to deal with just in general. (laughs) (laughs) And then I get shingles in my mouth. Oh, no, that that just sounds so painful. Horrible. It was like, I can laugh about it now because it's like, I don't have that pain anymore. But going through it, oh my God, it was, it was the worst. Like, I thought I was going to die with how much pain I was in. And, yeah. you know, I, yeah, like, I just, I, I could not deal with it. It was horrendous. And I ended up with something that's called trigeminal neuralgia, which is like the nerve on the side of your face, it branches off into three spots. And when that's inflamed, for whatever reason, in my case, it was the shingles virus, you end up with something that's called trigeminal neuralgia, there's no cure for it. And it's nicknamed the suicide disease, because that is how painful it is. So I basically hit rock bottom, you know, if the previous three years from that point weren't bad enough with all the migraines and like carpal tunnel and everything else I was dealing with. Trigeminal neuralgia added to the mix just completely like, I guess you could say destroyed me. And then I was just kind of mindlessly scrolling on Facebook, stumbled upon something called the mind body connection. And I started to do this inner work because I had no other options for pain control. Like I literally was doing all the things I couldn't take painkillers anymore because I was getting ulcers. I couldn't like, like I couldn't do anything. I would go to the chiropractor and then the next day, like I'd be in pain again, acupuncture, same thing. And I was even getting like Botox in my face to numb my face, like to paralyze it so that I wouldn't grind my teeth to get those headaches, which was triggering more of the trigeminal neuralgia and nerve block injections. So it's like basically like the injections you get at the dentist, but I got it injected on the side of my head and face. So, you know, I'd be going to work with like a half droopy face for the rest of the day because of these nerve block injections. (laughs) That was my life. (laughs) And I was very desperate for something to fix my pain. And it was just like nothing was working. So I stumbled upon this mind-body connection. And the main theory of it is that chronic pain is a result of repressed emotions from childhood trauma. So When I first read this, I was very offended because I was like, I don't have childhood trauma. Like, you know, I know my mom's a narcissist, but like, I'm not traumatized from it. Like, it's not like I was witnessing violence or like bombings or something like there's kids in other countries that have it so much worse than I ever did. Mm -hmm. And then I realized emotional abuse is trauma. So you know, I kept doing the work because it was working like I was experiencing like my first five minutes of no pain within two minutes, two weeks of uh, doing this inner work, like just kind of processing your emotions. It's it's very, it's kind of difficult to explain how that goes. Mm -hmm. But you know, doing that sort of inner work and like, letting myself be in touch with my emotions, I ended up getting out of pain by April 2019. And then immediately, I was like, I have to help everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So initially, I was just going to help people with chronic pain, you know, going through doing that inner work, because it can be really difficult. But you know, I started very, like, quietly starting to talk about narcissistic parents. And you know, not really saying that I was raised by a narcissist because I was way too like scared to even admit it online on the internet. But you know, I'd say stuff like when you're raised by a narcissistic parent, this might happen. And then it resonated with so many people. So I realized like, holy shit, like a lot of people have narcissistic parents, maybe I should really just turn this into helping survivors of narcissistic abuse to heal. And here I am. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no, first off, I'm so sorry that you had to go through all of that pain because I can only imagine. I actually, I think I remember, this is kind of funny, but I was watching BuzzFeed, like BuzzFeed videos on YouTube and I saw or I learned about, I think, quote unquote, like the suicide disease. I forget what the actual name and terminology is, but how painful that is. And I can only imagine just, ugh. I mean, I had a concussion and that lasted for probably about a year and a half just because I didn't take care of it properly. And that was like, I thought was painful, but I can't even imagine the pain that you've been through. But I think also just the mind-body connection is so interesting too that you brought up because I think a lot of people kind of think that's woo-woo or whatever you kind of categorize that as. And in some of my college classes, I took a philosophy class and we learned about kind of mind-body dualism and how, you know, your emotions can affect the body and vice versa. And I found it so interesting. And he kind of posed it as like a theory, but I'm like, no, this is real life. And I mean, I think your story also just shows that it is real life because just everything that you've been doing. And I know you mentioned once you were able to kind of like sit with your emotions, you were able to heal your body. So what did that kind of like look for you? Was that therapy? Was it different forms of exercise? Like how were you able to kind of make peace with all of the pain that kind of you had gone through previously? So I actually, I was doing therapy for years, but no therapist that I ever went to and I saw many of them ever told me to feel my emotions. <laughs> like, really? Which, yeah. That's so which interesting. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was more like you go once a week and you kind of gossip about your life and then you feel like shit <laughs> after. <laughs> that was my experience with therapy. So it didn't really help me. I know there's other therapists out there and like people have been told by their therapists to feel their emotions. So that's great. That's amazing. Awesome. I'm happy for those people. Like I'm not shitting on therapists at all. That's just my particular experience. But I actually ended up finding an app called Curable, which, you know, this was, it was, I was literally just scrolling mindlessly on Facebook one day and I saw this ad for this app that's supposed to help with chronic pain. I thought it was going to hypnotize me into believing I wasn't in pain or something because, you know, the whole concept made no sense to me whatsoever. But that app actually literally guides you through exercises on feeling your emotions. So mm. a lot of it is written exercises. And, you know, I've incorporated just journaling into my life in general now, even now that I'm out of pain, but, you know, just rage journaling where you sort of just vomit on paper and then destroy it after 20 minutes. That's very helpful because that's kind of like a segue into figuring out your emotions. And a lot of it had to connect back to my childhood because mm -hmm. that was literally when I started that pattern of emotional repression. And it was because of survival, because I had a narcissistic mother, I had to walk on eggshells and, you know, always kind of make sure her emotions were okay. And, you know, I'm five. So that's like a really big responsibility for a kid. Yeah. But I thought it was normal. I thought this was just how like, you know, kids are supposed to take care of their parents or something like that, which, you know, obviously now I know that that's not how that works or that's supposed to work. But that was like the job that was put on me. And, you know, it's not like I turned 18 and then I stopped repressing my emotions because I was an adult now. No, it like literally continues that cycle throughout your life. And, you know, the main thing is that when you're a kid and your emotions get invalidated, so you don't need to necessarily have a narcissistic parent to start repressing your emotions as a kid. You could have very well-meaning parents who, you know, say stuff like big girls don't cry, big boys 
boys don't cry or like, you know, mm-hmm. get over it, whatever. And that kind of in the child brain makes you think like, okay, so emotions are bad. I'm not going to have them anymore. Because if I do, I'm going to upset my parent. And if I do that, they're not going to love me anymore. If they don't love me anymore, I'm going to die. And mm-hmm. it's an unconscious belief that emotions are going to literally kill you that you carry with you throughout your life. And then you get chronic pain. <laughs> and <laughs> You know, and it's literally an accumulation of all of those repressed emotions, because when you don't express them, they have nowhere to go. They stay in your body. And what people don't understand about emotions is that they are a physical process. It's not this thing that you just mentally think about. It's something you actually have to feel in your body. So, you know, when you start doing that inner work, it kind of can get really overwhelming because you feel these weird different sensations in your body and all of a sudden your chest starts to hurt and it's like okay am I having a heart attack or is this an emotion mm-hmm. and it's it's an emotion but they feel so scary because we're so out of touch with them that like doing that work can just be super overwhelming so yeah it, it I would definitely recommend people work with somebody whether that's a therapist who you know talks about emotions or a coach or whoever because it's you know, I personally went way too fast when I did this inner work. So I kind of re-traumatized myself a bit. Mm-hmm. I inner worked my well myself through that as well. But I also started to work with a coach because I was going to therapy. It was, you know, proving to be quite useless for me. So I worked with a coach instead. And, you know, they helped me to figure out my emotions even more. And like just the questions that they asked me, it was just like, oh, okay, this like really brings things into perspective. And just that reminder of like, I'm not gonna die from this was really exactly. awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's so funny because I feel like so many people, I mean, we don't really even realize it, but I think so many people, you know, on this earth are living with so many repressed emotions. I mean, my last boyfriend, he would always tell me, and for some reason, you know, for the longest time, I didn't think this was a red flag, but he would always tell me, yep, I just shove my emotions deep, deep, deep down. I'm like, oh, Of course. So it's just things like that. And I mean, personally, you know, I went through a lot of therapy recently. And I also, I think I wasn't working too fast, but I'm also like a chronic overthinker. So after every therapy session, I would just like think about everything she said. And then I think I partially re traumatized myself through going like that experience. And it's kind of difficult, like, I guess, healing from, you know, those emotions that you have kept inside of you for so long. And there's really no true right way to go about it. But I would definitely say, you know, like therapy is great and journaling, I absolutely love. And then I think that was one thing that really helped me but I'm also like a very big writer too and I think also just like being easy on yourself and like taking the time to just like walk through it I think a lot of people try to rush through it because they're like oh these are emotions they're scary like I don't want to feel them so I might as well just like go through the process like mind dump everything and then like shut that door and pretend it didn't happen and I'm like no that's not how it works and it's just yeah And I think part of that too, like the healing process is, you know, realizing like what your toxic patterns are too. And I'm like curious. So 
obviously you do a lot of work with narcissism and toxic relationships and whatnot. So how do you define narcissism? Because, you know, growing up, I remember actually I was taking a mythology course and in one of the Greek mythology courses I took, we talked about how one of the Greek gods was looking in a pond at his reflection and he basically was being quote unquote narcissist uh, or being a narcissist and being vain. And that's kind of the context I learned about narcissism. And I was like, oh, it's just someone who's really into themselves, who's very self-serving. But I think, you know, obviously, as you know, you know, narcissism has so many different layers to it. So I would love it if you could kind of explain a little bit more on that. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, like I, I thought narcissism was also vanity as well when I Mm -hmm. knew the word, you know, like I didn't really Google the word until that breakup. So like before then, I just really assumed that narcissism was just vanity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've always been a little vain, like I've been very into hair and makeup all the time. So I thought I was a narcissist, right? (laughs) I mean, hey, you know, I like it too. (laughs) As girls know, we're taught sometimes to like be into that. (laughs) Exactly, right? Like, and that's the thing that's absolutely not even close to narcissism, right? Like people who are narcissistic, like they might not even know how to put on eyeliner or brush their hair or anything Mm -hmm. like that has absolutely nothing to do with like physical appearance or upkeep of the physical appearance or being into anything that has to do with your physical appearance. It's just not even close to narcissists. So the real definition of it, which, you know, I'll probably butcher what it is off the top of my head, but what narcissism is, is like, and the thing with narcissists that I just want people to understand is like, they're never going to get diagnosed. So all this crap Mm -hmm. that is out there about like, oh, well, the DSM says this it's like okay cool that's great but like no narcissist is ever going to be like I think something's wrong with me let me go get uh, a psych eval on myself so that I can stop harming people so (laughs) (laughs) that's true exactly right so it's not like to diagnose or anything like that it's just you know these are the behaviors and it qualifies as narcissism and these people are emotionally abusive so when somebody like needs to be right all the time and needs to like in a nutshell they need to get some form of supply from you and that's usually your emotional reaction and that gives them some sort of sick sense of joy and like their jollies that way and that is basically how you would know that somebody's a narcissist now what does that look like that could be that could really be anything actually like i've i've just dug myself a hole by saying all this (laughs) but uh I'm going to come up with a few examples. So, you know, if you notice that somebody is always like, there's a very obvious cycle, there's the love bombing, devaluation and discard phase. So the love bombing can happen in any context where they are just overly flattery with you. So if you're starting to date somebody, and they're just like overdoing the compliments, and you know, classic lines, like I've never met anybody like you before, or (laughs) you know, like you're, you're the best person I've ever met in my life, blah, 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 like just, you know, too fast, too soon, and too flattery. Yeah, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's a massive red flag. And what they do is once you like reach their level of like, interest in them, they start to devalue you. So that's when like the slight little digs will come out. And that's when something you thought you guys had in common you no longer have in common and the gaslighting starts and they'll start saying stuff like I never said that we had this in common or I never said that I never did that you're crazy you're overreacting you're being too sensitive and you know then they might say something like well 
this relationship's just not going to work out. And then the next day they start love bombing you again. Like I can't live without you, blah, blah, blah. And that whole cycle continues to repeat over and over and over. And it's important to understand that that's emotional abuse because they are basically dangling a carrot in front of you, hooking you in and then chipping you down and Mm -hmm. restarting that over and over and over. And that's what they thrive off of. And, you know, if it's a family member, like a narcissistic mother or something, it's going to look different because, you know, you're not dating this person. So it's, it's a different dynamic. But, you know, a lot of the times with narcissistic mothers or fathers, they can just be very controlling and they don't let you be yourself. They don't allow you to be a human. They force you to be responsible for their emotions. And even, you know, like just they do the gaslighting too, where they just make you question your reality. And they could have literally just done something. And all of a sudden you call them out on it. And they're like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. That never happened. So stuff like that. So when you start noticing this sort of pattern, right, like there's a difference between someone who's just having a bad day, and they're kind of being a jerk that day versus somebody who is actively emotionally abusing you and calculating it and ensuring that they get the response that they want to get from you as you are suffering and slowly dying on the inside. Mm -hmm. I know it's it's really crazy too just to see this play out in real life because I mean unfortunately you know I've seen friends go through extremely extremely like toxic relationships like the ones that you just kind of mentioned and it's so kind of heartbreaking to you know see that happen and I think a lot of times you know the victim is like guilt tripped and shamed for this. And that can be either, you know, in a familial relationship or in a romantic one. And I think, you know, personally, I've dealt with like a lot of guilt and shame in the past, you know, from a variety of reasons. And I think those two emotions in particular are really, really difficult to get over and to work through. And I know that you've actually touched on this in a few different podcasts that you were on. And so I was curious kind of like how you worked through that personally and kind of got over it because like I mentioned, they are really difficult to kind of shake off. Yeah, like guilt and shame are killers. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like they're some of the most powerful emotions, unfortunately. Absolutely. I agree. They, they're they the worst. Like guilt and shame mm-hmm. are like the freaking worst. And it's important to first understand that someone who is a narcissist is actually using your guilt and shame against you because nobody wants to feel guilty. Nobody wants to feel ashamed of themselves. Mm-hmm. So they'll twist stuff to make sure that you feel guilty and you're ashamed of yourself and, you know, they'll throw in some fear as well. So if as long as you're in that state of fear, shame and guilt, they can control you a lot easier than if you, you know, were somebody who like released their emotions and did all the emotional inner work and all that kind of stuff because you're able to like recognize it better. So the way that I suggest people deal with guilt and shame is to first of all acknowledge that you have repressed guilt and shame within you Mm -hmm. and that you know accepting that fact and understanding that just because there is guilt and shame there it doesn't mean you have anything to be guilty about and there's nothing to like actually be ashamed of it's just these emotions are currently in your mind body system so the way to release them is to literally let yourself feel them so you know it kind of involves triggering yourself in a way so you know one good thing to do is to journal about 
just how guilty you feel about everything and let yourself feel that guilt. Because if you don't let yourself feel it, it's not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's going to stay stuck in your body. And it might not even be guilt towards whatever situation you think it's about. It could be some leftover guilt from your childhood, from like something your parents said, from something a teacher said. But you'll never actually know until you start doing that inner exploration and actually allowing yourself to feel that guilt or shame or both or whatever it is. So, you know, letting yourself feel it is going to be pretty much the only way to release it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether that means you cry about it or, you know, you journal about it or both or doing some sort of like shadow work meditation or whatever, the best thing to do is just honor the fact that it's there, let yourself feel it. And then when you let yourself feel it, like it's going to, it's going to feel intense because they're very intense emotions. And that's, that's what a lot of people don't understand when it comes to feeling those emotions. And when you do feel that intensity, just like notice where it is in your body and just tune into that body part and see if it moves around because emotions are a very physical process. They literally run their course through your body. It's not something you consistently think about over and over Mm -hmm. so once you feel it in your body and you pay attention to that and you invite that guilt or shame in for as long as it needs to be there it's going to reach its maximum intensity and once it does that it's going to start going down and down and down and down and then that's it being released because like you literally don't have to do anything but feel it in order to release it so it sounds easy but it's easier said than done because you have to actually like convince yourself that it's a good thing to do this <laughs> um, because it can feel so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, that is so good. And I think especially it's important to know like to do this in like a safe environment too because like, you know, you know, you don't want to – I mean, I don't think people would do this in public, but it's definitely not a thing to do if you're like on your commute or like on the train getting ready for work. Probably not the time to feel all your deepest, darkest emotions. But like we kind of were talking about before, it's really important to like release those repressed emotions and feel all the feelings as well. And kind of going off of that, I'm interested in kind of how someone were to break free from a narcissistic relationship. Because I know, you know, that's really difficult to do for a lot of people, especially when, you know, loyalty comes into play. And because that is definitely, you know, like something that attaches you to a relationship is loyalty. And so how do you kind of start to break ties with those people who are toxic in your life? Right. So yeah, like you're totally spot on about the loyalty thing because, you know, narcissists use loyalty as a dangling carrot as well. And, you know, I think education is the first thing that people need to do. So getting educated about narcissists and just understanding, first of all, that if you're confused, that is already a sign of abuse. Like confusion is usually the first thing because that Mm -hmm. is going to to start googling their behavior so as soon as that happens like you know that you're dealing with somebody who's just not a safe person to be around so just understanding that first and foremost and then having an exit plan so depending who the relationship is with if it's a significant other and like you know you don't share children you don't have a mortgage together or whatever like just cut and run and then you know, deal with the emotional aspect of it afterwards, because you know, you need to just like get the hell out as soon as possible, because the emotional abuse will get worse. And it Mm -hmm. is never going to end. That's what a lot of people don't understand, because there's always that little glimmer of hope of like, well, maybe they'll see their shortcomings, maybe they'll see what they did wrong, maybe they'll see how they hurt me, and maybe they'll stop, they're not gonna stop. 
they will never stop. And even if it seems like they are going to stop and, you know, they're doing this last ditch manipulate manipulative effort of like, oh, I'll go to therapy or like, you know, I'm sorry, I can't lose you. Like, it's important to understand that what they can't lose is the supply that you give them. The narcissistic mm-hmm. supply, which is your attention, your emotional reaction, all that stuff. So it's important to really come to terms with the fact that this person's never going to change. And it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And you're, you are being emotionally abused. Like this is absolutely a form of abuse. So if you were being beaten up physically by somebody, it would be like a no brainer. But when it comes to emotional abuse, there's so many different layers to it. And so much manipulation that goes on that it can take a really long time to get out of there, because Mm -hmm. you're so freaking confused. So just, you know, be like kind to yourself when you are going through that confusion and understand that like, even though you're confused, it doesn't mean that it's not abuse and that, you know, it means you still need to get the hell out of there. So if you don't share kids or anything like that, like cut, run, and then do your inner work. Mm-hmm. If you do share kids, right? Or if it's like a parent and, you know, maybe there's like some legal stuff you have to deal with or whatever, you know, you want to at least have like a physical separation with them. So, you know, like moving out of your parents' house, right? Or like, if you're married to the person and you have kids like starting some sort of separation proceedings with this person, because they're going to screw your kids up if you share kids with mm-hmm. them. Right. Yeah. And, like, and that's like, like when the generational like trauma comes into play and no one wants that. Exactly. exactly. Right. So it's, it can be really hard when you share kids, but like, Think of your kids because your kids are going to be subject to that abuse. So make that the reason if you can't make yourself the reason and get the hell out. And, you know, once you get out, like you're going to probably want to go back or you're probably going to think like, what did I do wrong? Or what's wrong with me? Or, you know, is there something I could have done differently to make this person like behave differently? And no, no. Abuse is not like a conflict within relationship issue. It's abuse and it's an issue that the abuser has. So you're not too much of an empath. You're not codependent. You're not this. You're not that. Mm -hmm. The survivor usually is somebody who's a really good person, who has great traits, who's empathetic, who cares about stuff, who cares about other people. And that's who they prey on. And if you haven't done that emotional work, you're an easier target. So once you do that emotional work, you're going to know right away, like your radar is going to tell you immediately, like, no, this person is, you know, toxic, like, don't even bother. But Mm -hmm. without doing that inner work, you're not going to have that like clear of the knowledge to be able to continue on in a way that, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna know exactly what to look out for. So it's important to do the inner work and separate yourself. Long story short. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree. And I mean, one thing that just kind of popped into my head just now is I think a lot of people say, I mean, you know, I hear it from my parents. I hear it from just different like people in society overall. And they always say, blood is thicker than water. Blood is thicker than water. And I mean, yeah, maybe to an extent, but it doesn't always have to be is the thing. You know, I mean, if you come from a really, really toxic family that, you know, is inhibiting your growth, is abusive in, you know, various different ways. Like, why does that have to be, you know? So, I mean, I think it's just interesting to, like, know and that is important for a lot of people to hear as well. And I know, I mean, I've seen a few of my friends kind of go through this in their family structures. And specifically, I know a few 
people in my life who they feel kind of like they have to be the savior of their parents because their parents are struggling with, you know, whatever issues that they have. And then their family guilt trips them and says, oh, you need to help me out. And then I just kind of, it's so sad, but I, you know, I see my friend's take this like on the phone when they're yelling at them and they're just like, I have to sit there because I can't say anything because I don't want to be the reason anything happens. And I think, first of all, that is just so heartbreaking to, you know, see that happening because that is just so much, you know, emotional weight on someone's shoulders to have, especially growing up as a kid. But, you know, how do you kind of coach people through that when kind of trying to overcome this quote unquote like savior complex that they have. Yeah. So it's it's important to understand that that came from childhood, first of all, right? Because you had mm-hmm. to save your parents from their emotions if they're the narcissistic ones, right? And then that kind of translates into adult life where you feel like you need to save everybody and all that kind of stuff. But it's important to realize that the only person you can save is yourself. And the only person that can save that other person that you think needs saving is themselves. So it can be like a really difficult for people to come to terms with it. But doing that inner work and understanding where this personality trait comes from, which again, childhood, that's, that's mm-hmm. where everything comes from. <laughs> it's uh, putting it into perspective like that, where it's like, okay, so this is what I was taught as a kid on how to like save people. And I thought this was right. And realizing that like, no, actually, like they were the adult, and I was not the adult. So I have to now save myself and do my own inner work so that I can like stop believing that I need to save everybody. And yeah, it really just, it all comes down to doing that inner work, figuring out what emotions are behind that like compulsion almost to be that savior and have that savior complex and all that and letting yourself feel through that. And once you do that, you can release it. And then you get that clarity of like, oh yeah, I don't need to look out for everybody else. I just need to look out for myself. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. The theme of this like podcast I'm feeling is, you know, just inner work because it is so important. No one really does it. And that goes into so many different aspects of life. And you recently actually posted, I think on Instagram, you said, don't be so preoccupied with being the exact opposite of a narcissist that you continue to abandon yourself. And first off, you know, I absolutely love that. I actually kind of talk about that. I'm currently, you know, writing a book and that's one of the things I'm currently writing about is so often, you know, I feel like we as humans, you know, we spend so much time trying to like run away from our past that we end up kind of running straight into it. And I think especially just with growing up in a toxic environment, like a lot of people, you know, they always say the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. And I think, you know, a lot of times I hear people always say, oh, I don't want to be anything like my mom or oh, I don't want to be anything like my dad. But, you know, unfortunately, they end up becoming exactly what they don't want to be. And I mean, obviously, that's like when inner work comes into play a lot of the times. But what is like one thing too that you would say, how do you not get trapped into that cycle of, you know, generational trauma and being able to work through that and really, I guess, change the trajectory of your life so you don't, you know, end up like that narcissist person? So I mean, first and foremost, it's important to understand that like, if you have the insight to go within and be able to say to yourself, like, I do not want to be this type of person, you already are not. 
that type of person. You're already not a narcissist. So it's important to really understand that. Like if you have survived a narcissistic parent, you're and you're asking yourself these questions and you're actually concerned that you're going to turn out like them, you're already on the right track because you have self-awareness. Narcissists do not have any self-awareness whatsoever. So that's why they get so angry and like triggered when you try to call them out on their crap because they will just throw that back into your face and make it feel like you're the abuser. So it's important to realize that like you can actually understand this and the fact that you can actually understand this means that there is hope for you first and foremost like you will never be a narcissist who actually gets a sick thrill out of emotionally abusing people Mm -hmm. so you know that's an important question to ask yourself like when is the last time I you know screwed somebody over Mm -hmm. and it made me happy yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) probably didn't happen. So that is like already your indication that you're on the right track. And it can almost feel like a punishment that you're the one who ends up having to do the emotional work because you didn't abuse yourself. So it's like, Mm -hmm. well, why am I doing all this inner work? And like, this person's never going to learn. And what's important to understand with that is that person is stuck being themselves forever. If they are not Mm -hmm. going to go within because they won't, they are going to be that miserable and that like just their life is going to pass them by. They're going to reach their deathbed and like still not take ownership of anything. And oh, well, that's like a wasted life for them. And that really sucks for them. And back to the savior complex, you cannot do anything about that and Mm -hmm. you cannot save them or anything like that. It's just never going to happen. So understanding First of all, you can't save them. And you are not like that because you're able to go within and figure that out for yourself. Like, yeah, we all have flaws. Every single person has flaws. Everybody has treated somebody in a way that they're not proud of. But if you can actually take ownership of that, that is a completely different story. So doing that inner work is going to help you to heal from what you went through with the narcissist in your life. And it's going to also like really show you that you are not that person. Right, Because we can spend all the time in the world like researching what the signs are of narcissists and try and curate our own persona to like not be that. But at the end of the day, a lot of every single person has some sort of narcissistic traits. It's just, are you using those traits in a way that is giving you some sort of satisfaction when you emotionally harm somebody? If the answer is no, then you're 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 good you're on the right track you're doing just fine (laughs) yeah no I think also like change is one of the best gifts we have in life and you know if you're able to recognize like different things about you I mean like you mentioned I mean it's just a fact no one's perfect we're we all are flawed humans you know we all you know here and there can have like a little bit of narcissistic tendencies but it's you know the fact of recognize that it kind of like being able to turn it around and being like, I don't want to be that person. And it's like a lot of self-empowerment too, which I think is, you know, a beautiful part of this journey. But I just loved everything that you said. And I guess kind of, you know, wrapping up, what's like one final piece of advice that you would give to someone who is maybe currently struggling in some kind of, you know, toxic relationship or dealing with a, you know, narcissistic person in their life? Um, Yeah, like, I I feel like there's so many things I could say, but the most important (laughs) (laughs) that I will leave you with is you're not crazy. Your intuition was correct. 
This is your permission slip to trust it and get the heck out of that situation and allow yourself to focus on you so that you can actually heal from this and not repeat that cycle with, you know, whether that's a potential significant other or, you know, your own children or whoever, like you just, you are already on the right track of not repeating that cycle by just being aware of everything and, you know, doing the inner work. It's not a walk in the park. It's not the most fun thing to do. Like there are days where I would rather eat glass than journal, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's, it's one of those things that if you don't do it, you're not going to feel any better and you're not going to get anywhere. So you might as well just start wherever you're at. Like, don't wait till New Year's. Don't wait till Monday. Don't wait till the first of the month. Just start today doing one little thing that is a way of you putting yourself first because you probably never have. And Mm -hmm. that is going to set you in the right direction of going on that healing journey, whether you do it on your own, right? Because anyone can do the work on their own. But you know, if you decide to work with somebody that is going to speed up the process for you, it's going to guide you in a direction where you're going to know exactly which steps to take. But you know, there's no right or wrong way to go about it as long as you're doing something. Yeah, no, I mean, that's amazing. And yeah, for everybody listening, you're definitely not crazy. I mean, I think for the longest time, just with different relationships, you know, it's so easy, especially as women. I think we're taught to be like, you know, the saviors of every relationship. And just, you know, we're we're told even as women that, you know, we're crazy for, you know, being so emotional. But it's like, look at the person who's making us emotional and the actions that they're doing. Like, we're we're given like great reasons to act the way we act sometimes. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So you are not crazy for anyone listening. But I absolutely loved talking to you, Adriana. I think, you know, there's so much information in this episode that people need to hear. And I think like I mentioned, so many people are dealing with this issue and they might not even realize that they're dealing with, you know, toxic relationships. So it's like people like you who I absolutely love talking to because you're definitely making such a big difference in the world. So I love it. But where can everyone find you on, you know, social media and all of that jazz? Awesome. So yeah, my Instagram is at let's get your shift together, all one word. Website is let's get your shift together.com. And yeah, you can find pretty much all of my resources on my Instagram or website. Yeah, everything's there. Okay, perfect. And I know all of your coaching as well is on your website. Is that correct? Yeah, both the website and Instagram. Um, I do coaching packages. So you know, you could do one month, three months or six and everything's on Instagram. And yeah. Okay, well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I loved talking to you. Adriana. I, I love talking to you too. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Okay, guys, that was the end of today's episode. I hope you loved it as much as I did. I hope you found value in it because, I mean, let's get real. Adriana has so much to say, so much wisdom about this. So I feel like you definitely at least learned a little something. So other than that, you can find all of her information in the show notes below. And also in the show notes below, I'll include my pre-sale link so you can pre-order my book if you feel so inclined. Basically, when you pre-order my book, you join my author community, you get to help me pick my cover art, and you get just so many other perks. And oh, big thing, you get invited to my launch party, which I'm praying to God will be not virtual, but in person. And I feel like it will be in person. So other than that, if you're feeling like you're in a good mood, in a charity kind of mood, go ahead and give me five stars on the podcast rate and review give me all the love and 
I will share a review that I love next time in the episode. So be sure to do that. But I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye guys.